How's it going? Good. How are you, Sam? I'm good, Mariana. <laughs> uh, it didn't rain today. I, I thought it was going to rain. I know. Our herbs are looking really bad. Or our herbs, as MH says. Yeah. What is the correct? It's herbs, isn't it? It's herbs, yes. It, it's a German word for um, herbage garden. German word. Yeah, that's German for uh, herb garden. Okay. Herbish garden. Maybe it's Austrian. I don't know. I'll tell you what, though. That eight-year-old of ours, I mean, she says something and I kind of believe her. And it makes me doubt myself a little bit. Is this part of going into third grade? It's it's part of living with a Harrelson, I think. Oh, right. Your genes. Yeah. Because, you know, I can say like, well, yeah, that's... So this tree is called a chemistry and, and it, it gives off lots of, you know, reactions and blah, blah, blah. Oh, what did you say to Elsie the other night? And she, it was a similar thing where she had this moment of looking at you. Like, I think, you- I think it was over the chemistry thing. Was it that? Yeah. Cause she, she said something about it, a type of tree or something. Oh, no, no. What, what was it? Anyway. Yeah. It, it was something about chemistry. And I was like, yeah, chemistries are my favorite type of trees. And that's where we get the name chemistry from is, is from the chemistry because they react in nature and they combine with things. And yeah. That's also called the teacher BSing. Well, or, or pastor BSing. Uh, well, yeah, that's true, too. I mean, every pastor that gets up there and says, oh, well, there are three types of love. There's agape, and there's eros, and there's philos. When we all know that's not actually what Koine or Attic Greek, you know, says. But <laughs> we, we, we like to preach this sermon, and when we talk about Paul and Corinthians saying, love is a, you know, unless love is authentic, it's a sounding gong, and it's hollow, blah, blah, blah. And he's talking about philos. He's not talking about eros, like erotic love, you know, and that that's like porn. You know, you, you got to stay away from the eros, which is not anywhere near what Paul was talking about. But Or I heard today, um, well, loving each other. Christ said love each other, but gosh, these people are there just taking it too far. They're just loving everybody because they're taking it to mean sex. Yeah, well, my, my, my favorite of that is I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. Oh, yeah. Where that did good? that come from? I think that came out of Southern Baptist life dealing with uh, alcohol back in Prohibition era. Really? Yeah, so... Um, I mean, it's a brilliant. We really should attribute it to anybody. I mean, to whoever came up with it originally, because gosh, it's really taken hold. Yeah, I think it was from the 1915, 1920s era. It came right after the Snopes trial and all that stuff with William Jennings Bryan, you know, over in Tennessee. And yeah, he was a Southern Baptist pastor, but he, he was also a major national figure. He ran for president three times. He almost won in 1896 against McKinley, but thankfully McKinley won. Uh, but he was the head litigator. He was he was also a lawyer. He was head litigator on the Snopes trial, the Snopes, quote, monkey trial, when uh, a high school teacher was trying to teach about evolution. And, you know, still 115 years later, the Republican Party is fighting this battle in their, uh, you know, a platform that they just released today, sadly enough. Uh, but um, so, so this idea sort of moved on from that into what became the Prohibition Movement, which outlawed alcohol sales unless you were very wealthy <laughs> which you could buy alcohol anywhere kind of like marijuana or heroin or cocaine today right mm-hmm. uh, but the idea was you love the sinner but you hate the sin and the sin then was alcohol and now it's you know gay sex or you know whatever people want to identify as as a sin so especially in the cooperative baptist fellowship when i have conversations with people who are more I guess conservative, if you will. I hear that phrase of, well, you know, God commands us to love each other, and that means, you know, we're all sinners, so you got to love the sinner, but you don't necessarily have to love the sin, and, and I don't agree with the sin, so I'm going to say no to that, but I'm going to accept that person if if they will just you know, leave that sin behind. I love how you get a southern accent when you say that. <laughs> well, but, that's, I mean, that's what I've heard is, it all my life. This is relevant because... You know, big news this weekend is New Spring. Perry Noble uh, resigned, was asked to leave. What is the official statement? Well, um, yeah, he he was fired from his position. He, I don't right. think, I don't. I mean, the church said he didn't step down. He was let go. 
Right. So, which is so interesting because, you know, if you follow that culture, then you heard a lot of people saying, well, I mean, he's just a, he's just a man just like us, but it actually goes against what Noble was preaching that, you know, you, everybody messes up, but we want you to keep trying. So actually he didn't do what he preached, but yet people are offering him all this grace. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go into what he said or what he did specifically. I mean, cause we don't know, we can never know, but yeah, I mean, evidently there was some alcohol abuse there and, and that is a serious problem. And I'm not, I'm not making light of, um, you know, the prohibition movement because I, I think those types of movements to, you know, ban marijuana or ban alcohol or whatever. I, I think they, they come from a good spot. They come from a good place where people are concerned about others and they see how people can abuse these things, whether it's. Or a personal struggle, like legitimately right. someone has overcome alcoholism and says to somebody else, you shouldn't drink alcohol either. Right. And, and that's kind of the whole thing of well, like AA and alcoholic, Alcoholics Anonymous is it's very much a you know, once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. And if, and if you have one more sip of wine or, or one little sip of Manischewitz at, uh, you know, communion, or if you, you know, have one beer, then you're going to get back on the train. And once you do that, you're, you know, you've fallen. So you, you, you have to literally cut that out of your life. And there are 12 steps to do that. And a lot of that has to do with God stuff. And, and that's fine. I mean, for people that, that need that to get back, you know, in touch with themselves or, you know, with God, whatever, like, I think that's, you know, sure, good for it if if that's the path you need to take. And I mean, who knows? I and mean, we're not. I, I don't want to talk about you know Perry's personal struggles, but the idea of the, the messaging that I saw was yeah, it was very much like yes, that, especially on Saturday and Sunday, as the news leaked out last, I guess Friday. Um, we saw that 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 Perry or Perry Nibble, Pastor Perry, was going to. Um, Something was going to happen on Sunday, and um, it, you know by Saturday it was it was pretty clear that this is what was going to happen. Um, and and there was a lot of messaging internally from New Spring about you know you should put your faith in in Christ and not a, a man to lead the church, and we're all sinners, so who are we to judge? And the church is here to uphold us all, so we should all be you know, praying because we're all sinners and we're all going to fall. So, you know, those kind of were the, the three points, if you will, <laughs> that, that I kept saying over and over again, which which is very true, you know, and I, I don't argue with any of those things. I just think it's fascinating because New Spring, if you're not from South Carolina, is a huge force in this state. And it's, what, 30,000 people? Um, oh, gosh, it's more than that. Remember, because part of the goal was to get to 100,000 people. Oh, well, right, right. But at least 30,000 a week. Attend services uh, right. across seventeen campuses or something like that, and there are many, many thousands who watch online. So I watched online this this weekend. You were you were at at uh, you went to another service with with our kids. I did. Yeah, and I had something to do, so I, I couldn't make that. Now I felt terrible because I, I used to go to that church where you went, <laughs> uh, and um, so I was here and, and pulled up the iPad and, and watched uh, watched the New Spring service, and yeah, you know for. For me, I mean, you know, Perry stuff is one thing, um, but for me, that that type of worship is so unique. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm not trying to be political, and I'm not trying to be like cautious here. But I, I don't understand because I, I didn't, I, I wasn't raised in that. I was raised in a traditional Southern Baptist church. And what do you mean by traditional? For those people, and, but but one of the reasons that this is important is because New Spring is a Baptist church. It's a Southern, and, but not a not a Baptist. It's a Southern Baptist, right? And so this um, concept of what it means to be Baptist really, you have to talk about the forces that are to be reckoned with. Well, and I, I mean, okay. So when I say I was raised in a, a traditional Southern Baptist church, my family and I didn't start going to uh, to church until I was thirteen or twelve, thirteen. Uh, my great grandmother had passed away. We had gotten back in touch with the family. We started going back to the family church, a little small, one hundred fifty person church, which now seems huge. <laughs> yeah. For you know a town of five thousand people, uh, but back in the day, that was a, a pretty small little Baptist church in the in the, I guess, early nineties. Uh, but up to that time, I 
we we never went to church. And I, I'm serious. Like, I would get up on Sunday mornings, like it was Saturday morning, and I would start riding my bike. And I'll never forget, there was this one moment when I'm riding my bike um, in our neighborhood, and I see one of my friends and his family pass by, and their windows are down. And, and my friend who's now a professor, leans out, <laughs> which is funny. He leans out the window and he starts waving. He's like, hey, Sam, what are you doing? And I'm sitting there in my, like, you know, gym clothes as a sixth grader or seventh grader or whatever it was um, on my bike. And I'm just looking at this family who's in their church, you know, clothes, and, and clearly they're heading to church. And I, I realized, like, oh, man, like, I, maybe, like, why am I not in church? Like, what, what's that about? And I, I got this intense feeling of guilt. Mm-hmm. So I pedaled as fast as I could after that back. And I felt so, like, ashamed that I wasn't in church. So then I, I would sleep over with friends. But also know. that you didn't know that you were supposed to be in church. Right, right, right. So I would, I would do sleepovers with friends when I was, like, you know, 6, 7, 8, 10, 12 years old, whatever. I mean, you know how it goes. And, and we would sleep over, and we would play Nintendo all night, and then wake up in the morning, and they would go to church. And they would say, hey, do you want to go with us? And I would say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride my bike back home. You know, and, and back in the day when you could do that. Um, and I always felt so conflicted about that. And, and it, I don't know, that that's really kind of um, hit me in the last few years of, of wow, like that, that culture was, was there. And, and people always invited me to church. So finally, um, when I joined the church when I was 13, I was baptized on the same day as my dad, which is kind of cool. Even though he was a Methodist and he had been bat- baptized before, but they re No, no, we Baptists have to re-dunk you. you got to go all the way under. Just make sure. Well, uh, you got to make sure that you feel that you could really die. It's, it's like it's like salting to up. taste, you know? Like, you, you put a little bit of salt on there, and you're like, <laughs> enough salt. I'm going to put a little bit more salt, you know? Just one more dunk. Just a little more. Just make sure Jesus got on there, okay. Um, so, so my father and I were, were baptized him for the second time on, on the same day, which was really special to me. And it was, it was, you know, uh, when I was 13 and I, I'll never forget that day. Um, but then it, there, there was something about that little small church that I, I still love so much. And, and, you know, my, my cousin's buried there and, and my family still goes there and it's, it's a, it's a part of who I am. Uh, but we sang just a closer walk with thee and we put the Sunday school numbers on the board you know, by by the door to get into the back. And we had a hell of a youth group. And, it, you know, we're a small church, but we had 15, 20, 30 people. And I used to love Vacation Bible School. Um, and it was just such a, a unique experience, I think. And, and it, it it really made me enjoy the, the Southern Baptist kind of theology and polity and all that stuff. So when I got to college and I realized, wait, not all Southern Baptists are like the Southern Baptists at Little Bethel. Uh, it, it was it was hard because we had women deacons just because of the sheer size of things. <laughs> like, yeah, you had to. Yeah, we had women who it would do the announcements. Like, it wasn't like women were you know excluded from worship or the rostrum or, or anything. And then, and then I got to college and people were like, oh, you're Southern Baptist. Well, you know, clearly here's what you believe. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> you know, um, so th- there was always that constant struggle because I felt like we were we were this little island of. Uh, not that. Um, so that, that's what I mean when I say, like, I feel like I grew up in a, in a traditional, if you will, Southern Baptist church is that I grew up in a more mainline Protestant Southern Baptist church that, that welcomed w- women leadership. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure there were struggles, but as a, as a teenager, I didn't see them. You know, and I, I didn't feel like women couldn't get up and preach. And we, we frequently had women speakers and, and preachers, and we had women uh, in leadership positions. So thinking back to that, it's like, well, well, you know, there's always been this, I guess, tension. Uh, so, so when I look at Newspring and I, and I watch this service on the iPad on Sunday morning, and it looks like a Mumford & Sons concert, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not – I'm not saying that's not valid, and I'm not saying that can't work or whatever. But I think it, you may need to breathe. <laughs> right, with the, with the flash pans and everything in the, in the back. That was, that was our first concert together, I think. Well, and they have theological undertones. I mean, come on. Yeah. Mom, for instance, they're secular. 
No, Thomas said they they talk the rolling the stone away and all this stuff. He, yeah, they're trying to, to do the religion. crossover thing. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. So he said they they do a lot of religious stuff, and I was like, oh, I didn't I didn't realize that because I don't listen to either one of those bands. Um, <laughs> except apparently when you're going on a wait, what was that? Our fourth date or something? Maybe fourth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I realized then that our music tastes were. You know, never the twain should meet. <laughs> you had a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, right. And still do. Um, so anyway, you know, I'm watching, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to say, like, how did people get anything out of it? But, wow, 30,000 people attend these services. And we talk about the Southern Baptist Convention, sort of the evangelical side of things, as well as the mainline Protestant side of things, declining in numbers. And New Spring being this huge sort of growth area. I don't know. I don't know. I just wonder. Well, so that's why this is a big deal is, okay, was this a church that was centered around one person, i.e. Perry Noble, because you have multiple campuses, but the model is that this one senior pastor gets um, videoed into the other campuses. So you have people who are on site to offer pastoral care, you have musicians on site, but the actual sermon comes from the headquarters. So he's been the pastor the whole time this church has been in existence, although it has grown into multiple campuses. You know, so can it survive this changeover? I mean, it's a really big deal for 30,000 people every week. Well, and he talked about this today on Facebook. He, he put up a video for the first time and, and kind of spoke publicly via Facebook um, or via video on Facebook. Have you seen that? No. It, it, he, Perry's very, 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 very savvy with when it comes to marketing, but dude, like hold the laptop up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like, you know, the laptop's on the table and he's looking down at it, which oh, is no. never a good angle for anyone. And it, There's I know a Perry and self, the, all those uh, <laughs> selfies are, are up. Right, 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 yeah. Put the, put the, you know, hold it up, or, or get a webcam like I do, so you don't. Anyway, he, he's just a few years older than I am, so I, I feel like I can tell it to him. Uh, anyway, so it, it, he talks about how um, he's going to rehab and, and he's working on himself. And again, I don't want to go into that stuff, but how he's heard on Twitter that people are saying they're not going to go to New Spring anymore because New Spring fired him, and he says, you know. If you love the church like I love this church, uh, you will go to church this Sunday and the next Sunday and the Sunday after that and keep going because this church is special and this church has all these great qualities and this church is the place where you need to have your kids and I'm still sending my daughters there, daughter, um, and and this is a, a, a you know fantastic church and and don't say that because of the way this happened because this happened because of me, which I I appreciate it and I think he handled that really well. Um. I mean, it's it's tough, you know? It's, I mean... I mean, every church who experiences a changeover in pastor has to have this discussion of who, we're gonna, who are we going to lose? Because what? you know when a pastor changes over, you're going to lose people. But for a place like New Spring, you have to wonder when that is the main voice that's coming in, is it going to be like a third of the people? Because that's pretty significant for one of the fastest growing churches in the Southern Baptist Convention in the midst of all of the decline that's going on. And like, not just, this was the hope. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe. But not just that, but you look at people like Martin Luther King Jr., you know, and and the FBI papers come out and the rumors come out, and it's like, well, he had this many mistresses, and he was doing this on the side, and he was talking about this, and he was saying this, and you're like, oh, don't, oh, no, you know. Or, well, or, and and Mother that? Teresa, you know, that stuff came out about her, too. Right, right, that's what I'm saying. So, we hold people up in these positions, whether whether it's your Mother Teresa or, or Gandhi. I mean, Gandhi had yeah. some bad stuff said about him, and you know some of that was true. Um, you know, and so whether it's it's that or I know I'm not saying Perry Noble is Gandhi, but you know what what Perry created was really incredible, whether whether you agree with it or not. And personally, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of of a lot of the politics and polity and theology and that kind of stuff that is associated with New Spring. But the fact that he was instrumental in creating this community of people who engaged the gospel and, and who brought the word to a number of people who, you know, for better or for worse would have been 
outside of the church or, or outside of a community of people that cared about them. That's right. And a, and a community where they felt like they belonged. Exactly. Exactly. So for me and part of my ministry, oh God, that sounds so terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's actually, I, I was eagerly listening because you never talk about your ministry, even since you've been ordained. For me, part of, of what I think it means to be an ordained person or someone in church life, a clergy, reverend, whatever, preacher, pastor, whatever you want to call us, minister, the reverend, is helping people realize that we're all in this together and no one gets out alive. And if you can establish a place where people can come and have that feeling of community and have that feeling of empathy where, where it's not just I'm, I'm able to say, Oh, these people care about me and that's great. And I want to go to the church or this church or this group or, or I want to go to ministry slab because these people care about me. That's one thing. And that's, that's like second grade. But when you can get people to the point where you realize, or they realize and you realize, um, not just, Oh, well, these people care about me, but Oh, I care about these people. And I want to help these people. And I want to I want to infuse this community with my gifts, you know, and whether that means I'm really good at putting in drywall or I'm really good at making banana bread or I'm really good at preaching or I'm really good at teaching or I'm really good, you know, whatever your gift is, as, as Paul would ramble on about in Corinthians. When you get to that point as a community, when people can stop saying, well, I mean, that preacher is really good and it makes me feel like I'm, I'm whole and, and I like going there because the people are really nice and they take care of my kids and I feel like I'm getting a lot out of that sermon. When, when you can transform that into, well, I feel like I need to give into this community because this is making me whole by giving. Like that's that transformative moment. And I, I think in, in a lot of ways, that's what Perry created with, with New Spring. And that's what we can all be envious of and what we can all who are, you know, members of the body of Christ or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing if you're listening to this show, you're probably predisposed to some kind of notion of religion. <laughs> uh, it, it, that's that's something that we can all look up to and say, wow, that's that's really laudable, you know? Yeah, but I think one of the problems – that we're encountering in, in mainline Protestant churches is that we feel like we have to, we, we try to find communities of faith that fit our doctrine of faith. So let me go to a place that agrees with everything that I believe. And if not, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to go find somewhere else, but I'm not going to do, you know, I'm going to leave a community of faith, but I'm going to write a letter or I'm going to make a statement to people, or I'm going to do some kind of grand gesture to say, I'm leaving this church because you're going to put an open letter on medium. You're going to put an open letter on medium. You know, these, I'm sure we'll be able to find this about new spring in the coming days because not it. You want the people who are left in that community of faith to feel guilt and shame over not including you or not accommodating you or something. But I can't tell you the number of of people, especially my pastor and minister friends, who are worried about making decisions or having difficult conversations because, well, then somebody's going to leave. Well, let me just tell you something about churches and communities of faith and people in general. People are going to leave. They're going to leave because their jobs changed. They're going to leave because they hit a crisis in their own life. They're going to, that's just the way we work. Change is going to happen in people's personal life and they're going to leave. So we're avoiding having difficult conversations in churches because we're afraid of people leaving. Well, I mean, two things. So, you know, number one, back in the day, people didn't leave. Right, so you grew up in Mullins and you went to this church and your family went to this church. Right, so you went you to that church. Like you weren't mobile. All right. I mean, even if you were in that same little small town of Mullins, you know, which is what three miles in every direction. Like, yes, you could go to to this Baptist church, but you went to this Baptist church because that's where your family went. And if you went to that other Baptist church, that's you, right. You and were you looked had at as a pariah. Generations into that community of faith, so you knew you belonged because your family went there. Right. Right. So, you know, even if you got pregnant as a 14-year-old, whatever, like you went to this church because that's where you grew up and that's what you did. That's not the case anymore. People are mobile, uh, especially young people. Number two, um, 
And I think this is the more difficult thing is that we are in an incredibly interesting juxtaposition because we're at the beginning of the internet revolution. And we like to blame social media like Facebook and Twitter and all this stuff and, and say, the well, Pokemon Go. it's all about Pokemon Go. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, people don't watch, you know, Dan Rather or Walter Cronkite. We, we don't have this national conversation anymore. You know, no one knows. Individual feeds. Yeah. Right. There, there's, I mean, things like the Billboard 100, you know, or the top 10 songs, Casey Kasem. Like, <laughs> where? Who yeah, cares you're right, about though. that? You're right. I mean, that's gone. You know, it's not I, a common conversation going on. I used to get in the car on Sunday mornings going to church and, and Casey Kasem would be on and I would I would want to sit in the parking lot and hear number four because no, I was wondering listen, if you tune into the local radio station over by the lake you can still hear Casey Kasem it, no he's dead yes he but they put they're pulling from the archives are they really yes That's for people just like you I loved it because it, they're going to church to listen to the same hymns that they listened to when they were growing up and experience worship in the same way that they experienced growing up. But but you wanted to know if, um, you know, Bill Bibb DeVoe went up or down from number three or, you know, if Bill Bibb DeVoe switched to number four because of of Motown Philly by, gosh, what other names? Uh, Boys to Men. You know, I'd beat them out. So, it, it, back in the 90s. Sorry, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You know no. Boys to Men? You've heard of I did, I did. I do know of Boys to Men, yes. I know they're a singing group. Have you heard It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday? Boys to Men and Back Again. <sighs> no, that's not how it goes at all. You've never heard It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday? Well, it's I don't so know. You'd have to hard. sing it. I'm not going to sing that. I can tell you that I never owned a Boys to Men album. Really? No, that would not have been allowed in my house. Do, do you know Bill Bibb DeVoe? No. Motown Philly's got it going on. No. No, that's Boys to Men too. East Coast style. Vanilla Ice. All right, stop. I know Vanilla Ice. 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 Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new edition. Anyway. Something. Grab a cold you tightly. There you go. Flows like Arpoon daily and nightly. So uh, you, you would get in the car. We all had this national experience. You know, we all knew what was going on, whether it was... <laughs> Except for those of us who are in conservative <laughs> cultures. Yeah, you, yeah you're, you're in a culture, Kimmy Schmidt. We were all in this sort of <laughs> national conversation, right? And that doesn't happen anymore either, either. So people are mobile, mostly young people, because there are no jobs. And we have the internet now. So I'm looking at a screen of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine uh, tweet deck columns. One is kind of general. One is my attention stream, which are my best friends. One is breaking news. Uh, one is press, and it has like 300 people f- who are members of the press. One is most influential in tech. One is biblical archaeology. One is NASCAR talks, which are all my NASCAR things. One is Cubs, and the other one is replies. So I can kind of get a glimpse of the things I really care about right here. And this is what I look at all day long for, you know, I mean, you know, like at least 10, 15 hours a day while oh, I'm sitting here at my desk. Um, and on the other screen, I've, I'm working, but this huge 27-inch screen is just filled with content. And I can kind of say, well, I really want to know what's going on in the world of biblical archaeology right now. And the furthest one back is eight minutes ago. And that's a, a list of 10 tweets. Press, it's 30 seconds ago. I mean, these things just kind of fly by. And, and you said this the other night as you were sitting here with me. You were like, how do you how do you watch that? <laughs> but that's my news stream. Yeah. You know, and I feel very well informed. But I'm only getting a small slice because, I mean, half of this is about the Cubs, NASCAR, biblical archaeology, and tech. I have no idea what's going on in the world of, of agriculture or, or, or childhood literacy. Childhood literacy, or which or is what my favorite list is about. A paper making or bread making or any of that stuff. Publishing, right? So we're able to really dig deep into these things that we really care about, and I feel really well informed about all this stuff. So when someone like today, I had a meeting with a client. Someone said, "Oh." Well, you should be on Twitter because Twitter is, you know, this this great social network where you can talk about what you're doing in the moment. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been on Twitter since 2006. But thank <laughs> was you it for... a millennial? 
it was a millennial. We apologize. <laughs> the person, I will not say we it. We apologize. <laughs> the person was a millennial. And, and then the person proceeded to try to explain Snapchat to me. And I was like, yes, I'm, I'm on Snapchat we, as well. We millennials think that we have discovered everything. Because, you know, when I went to college, Facebook was just for colleges. It was established the year that I went to college. What year was that? 2003. Jesus. I was... I just finished grad school. But, you know, I actually had um, – but you weren't able to get into Facebook in 2003. Yeah. No. No, because yeah. that, was, that was Harvard only until, like, 2005. They didn't open it up. No, until- no, 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 because I can remember sitting in my freshman dorm. So maybe it was established before then, but I can remember yeah. being in my freshman dorm and being on Facebook. In 2003? And we thought it was so cool because it was... Well, it was the Facebook back then. That's right. But we thought it was so cool because it was this kind of internal network. And I just figured that every college had it. I didn't understand that this was like a new thing for everybody. Yeah. So I had a Yale address still because Yale gives out alumni addresses. So I still have that. Yeah. And you had to have the .edu in order to sign up. Right. So I was able to sign up. (laughs) <laughs> and I was, I logged in because, you know, I was, even in like 2005, I was kind of into the, this kind of, you know, early adopter stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe this could be interesting. And I, and I logged in, I remember, I think it was 2000, early 2005, mid 2005, and, and thought, what the hell is this? Like, well, <laughs> why would anyone use this? But again, it, we can, we can tweak our Facebook algorithms and we all see different things. And again, this is another thing that I have to explain to clients is when you search for your name on Google or when you search for your company's name on Google, you're seeing one version, yes. of an infinite number of versions of those search results because not everybody sees the same. No one sees the same search results oh, as another oh, person. Or like the people who call you and tell you that their website's broken because their browser is not connected to the well, or, or people say, well, yeah, but that, I mean, I, I love, I love that people who are older use Facebook and, and I'm not knocking that. Please don't interpret that this way, but they'll say, well, didn't you see that? I put it up on the Facebook earlier this week. And I'm like, yeah, I, I log in a couple of times a week, mostly just to post things because <laughs> yeah. I work in marketing and, and I don't see everything that you particularly put up on Facebook. So if you want me to see it, I mean, there's a chance I'll see it if you're on my special list, like you and Thomas and Elizabeth. And but you're not. That's what I'm well, trying to tell you. You're, you're not you're on my not personal my... special list. You know, you're not one of the twelve disciples. So I'm probably not going to see what you're talking about. Um, uh, all, okay, so all that to say, between the mobility and this idea of we all are able to follow our sources on Twitter or Facebook or Pinterest or you know whatever your email newsletters even. Things have changed so much. Even your cable package. Like, we all don't subscribe to Showtime. We don't. We all don't subscribe to AMC. I mean, not everyone watches NBC anymore. And, and certainly no one watches, you know, Dan Rather or Tom Brokaw or whoever or Walter Cronkite like, like we used to do. Oh, we my gosh. You just talk about TV shows and people mention six that I have never even heard of. I'm right. Like, what right. is that? Or oh, Game well, of Thrones. Like, you know. You, it's you on Netflix, the original series. And I'm like, what? what? Really? Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, like, don't spoil Game of Thrones. It's like, well, okay, you know, one-tenth of the people that you're talking about are going to care about that. It's not 1994 anymore or, or you know, 2005 where where you get to work the next day and you're talking to someone and you say, did you see the West Wing last night? And they say, no, don't tell me about that. Or, or hey, did you see Lost last night? Because you won't yeah, believe no. what Jack did. And Jack just really went off on lock. And they're like, no, don't tell me about that because I haven't seen that episode yet. I put it on the TV or, or I recorded it on my VCR. That world is gone. That no, world is well, totally gone. And it only took well, five, well, ten years. Well, enter Pokemon Go. No, enter Pokemon Go. go. That what, has, what do you mean by that? I mean that it's a global conversation that's going on. It's the one of the first times that we've been able to recreate this kind of experience where everybody's talking about something. I mean, we've been talking about Pokemon since the 90s, though. Not at this rate, and not at this uh, percentage of users. Well, it just got to, to Germany today, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's it's bigger than Tinder, which says a lot now, the hookup app. And it's almost as, as big in daily users as Twitter, which blows yeah. my mind. 
But not only that is you're seeing, it's also you're seeing people who are out and about and using it. You know, you might see somebody on their phone, but you don't know if they're on Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or or Twitter or Tinder or what they're doing. Yeah, I, I was. So we had a big Black Lives Matter protest here on uh, what night was that? Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Sunday night, and I was listening to the police scanner because I couldn't find a good like Periscope or, or live stream of what was going on at the state house. So I, was, I was watching on Twitter from a few reporters that I follow. And I really wanted, uh, I mean, not that I wanted to drive down there, but, it, you know, I, I'm that type of person that wants to know what's going on. So I was listening to the police scanner, and about 2 a.m., you're you're snoring, and the puppies are snoring <laughs> from the bed, and I'm sitting in, in our office in the bedroom. And then the baby cries. <laughs> no, and I have my headphones in. But... um I was listening to the police scanner uh, for Columbia, and <laughs> one of the the officers said um, something like at two three a.m. like along the lines of, "Well, it looks like things are dwindling down." And a lo- another officer said, "Yeah, you know, there's still a few people walking around trying to figure out what they're doing." <laughs> the other officer responded back, "Well, I think they're. I think we have more people playing Pokemon right now than we have protesting." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And that's at two three a.m. on a Sunday night. Uh, so yeah, as, as I drive around town, like today, in a college town though, I mean, like, well, but college is out. But yeah, I was driving around town today. There's all kind of schools. I know. And I, I stopped at start. a I stopped at a parking lot that's a, a Target, UPS store, Starbucks, you know, kind of your generic suburban parking lot area. But it's 105 degrees in Columbia with a Hickory Tavern coming soon. Is it really? Yeah. Where? You didn't see the sign? No. Where? Next to the Mod Pizza in the old CCs. In the other half of the old CCs, yeah. No. Hickory Tavern? Yeah. Hickory Tavern. Oh, my gosh. Straight out of Spartanburg. I spent a lot of money at Hickory Tavern in Spartanburg. No, no. The one in Asheville. Dude, Hickory Tavern comes from Spartanburg. But it's in Asheville at the... Um... It is, but it comes out of... Oh, my God. Are you... Where did you grow up? So, you you know... <laughs> You know that that parking lot with the uh, with the Publix and and the Ace Hardware behind Hillcrest? Yeah. Where the Hickory Tavern is right there? No. That's the original Hickory Tavern. Oh. <laughs> the first one time I ever went was in Nashville. <sighs> so when I was a kid in college, we Isn't spent that a- funny how you go somewhere and you're like, "Oh my gosh, oh You grew up there. I just went to I college know, but there." I told you, do you remember I know that? I didn't drink. When I went to, um, when <laughs> I lived so in Greenville, and I was like, hey, there's this great Mexican place. It's called Papa's and Beer. And you're like, yeah, that's from Asheville. Yeah, and then I told I, you this that, other place, and you were like, yeah, that's from Columbia. And I'm like, what? I thought this. Mellow Mushroom. No, it wasn't Mellow Mushroom. I knew that where that was from. It was, um, oh, that one with the rooftop bar in downtown Columbia. The Tin Roof? No. I don't think it has multiple places. So, you never have been to the Hickory Tavern in Spartanburg? No. Jesus. Anyway, yes, that's where it started. (laughs) So, that's about five minutes from your house growing up. Anyway. Anyways, you were in this. I I just think that that we're we're in this, you know, we're in this weird phase. You didn't finish your story. You were in the parking lot with the Target and the UPS and the future Hickory Tavern. like 20 people walking around. It's 105 degrees. And I'm like, well, oh my gosh. Playing Pokemon Go. Playing Pokemon Go. I mean, there's no other, and they're in pairs, at least. You know, you know there's nothing else they're doing. Yeah, and they're all, you know, rather rather younger. I mean, there were a couple of older guys, like my, my age. Um, And, and it was it was fascinating, because I'm like, why are you walking around in an in a asphalt, huge parking lot in Columbia, South Carolina in July? <laughs> you know, like, there better be some, some darn good Pokemon, because uh, holy cow. But yeah, it's it's a fascinating kind of movement or, or or phenomenon, I guess. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's it's starting a global conversation again. About what? It's just starting a global conversation. You know, <laughs> about talking, what? <laughs> about catching Pokemon, about uh, Pokemon gems, those kinds of things, but it's undermining a lot of people who've been so used to controlling their messaging and their branding and who they are. For instance, um, did you hear that Westboro Baptist Church is like a Pokemon gym now? 
And yeah. somebody named it uh, Lump Winds or something like that. Yeah, no, I thought that was great. Of course, the Holocaust the- Museum also has Pokemon stuff, and they, they, they're going to have to get to the point where they allow opt-outs. But today, someone took the Android code, uh, the Android APK, which is like a, a package uh, for, for an app, and the way Android works, you can take an APK and, and kind of tear it apart and see what's inside of it. So they, they tore the Android APK of Pokemon Go apart, and they found all these random strings of code referencing places and, and McDonald's. And, and they realized that uh, Pokemon Go is, is making deals with certain places to have certain things. So it sounds like you're going to yes. be able to right, get to McDonald's, and that's going to be a gem, which is what you – like, that's a, a great place because you can train your Pokemon. So you look for your gems, uh, GYMs not gems um so you look you look for these gems as places to go in order to train your pokemon and, and increase their potential or whatever uh so instead of just so, having westboro baptist happenstance you know be a pokemon gym right right which means that people are going to be able to opt out too but it's interesting because i i just think this is fascinating because so Often in our churches, we have this discussion about, oh my gosh, should should we let let kids skateboard in the parking lot after night? Maybe we shouldn't let them do that. Should we, you know, and we have these conversations back and forth, but then you have this conversation and this app that's overtaking it. And suddenly the people who usually decide things in churches don't have control over that. Yeah. Or you you hear the people saying, well, I want my kid to go outside and, and experience nature and be outside and... You know, they they go outside because of Pokemon Go. Maybe they're like, "Oh no, no, no! This is dangerous." This is yeah, dangerous. you're gonna want to the black neighborhood, right? And so it's you know, I think a religion that's very been very controlled and branded for a lot of years is going to see more of this movement of as you go and you know, as it flows kind of ministry. And it's going to be really unnerving to a lot of people. You're not going to be able to determine it a year in advance with budgets. And this is another thing that churches are seeing with budgets because they don't have predictable income because people like me, at least millennials, we don't have a salary every month that we can depend on. You know, it's a rotating basis of a changing economy or our work schedules are such that it's seven days on, seven days off. So, Or, or you're not going to get sent to church and write a check and put the check into a plate exactly. that gets passed around. Like you're going to give online to Kickstarter or GoFundMe or, or Indiegogo. Pokemon Go to, you or know, Pokemon buy, Go in-game purchases. To buy upgrades because that's where I am or, you know. So see, Ministries Lab offers upgrades and we have an app and, <laughs> and you can buy a certain level of of you know your 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 salvation so if you could be a level one go ahead and start for your house in heaven yeah that's fine lay the foundation just pay us a little money it's 4.99 but but if you want a really nice house in heaven you got to pay 6.99 and with that you get 20 hours of free play 99 dollars yeah and and we remove right and we remove the ads from the church which or the app you know and and i think removing the ads is worth another dollar 99 you know, I think you mean one hundred and ninety nine dollars. <laughs> well, now you're thinking like a big church. I'm not thinking That's the first what I Baptist. Grew up in. That's what I grew up in. You grew up in one hundred and fifty. This is what we're going to have to figure out in ministry slab. I think that would be great, though, if, if church apps would say, hey, well, you know, you're, you're going to get this ad for AT&T until you upgrade and until you upgrade because people get that. No, you know, in the bigger churches, what would be really effective is if you would just upgrade in order to get the directory where you can figure out the people's names who you see in the hallway and you forget what their names are. No, no, no. So that you can get those people's names and email addresses and download them and give them to your uh, secretary oh, or your, oh. uh, you know, your assistant. You can pitch them right on fields. And she <laughs> can, can email them out, uh, you know, pitching your accounting services. I mean, that's clearly worth $1.99, I think. Oh, goodness. We should totally do that. Just make it. I mean, I should make a bullet plate church app where you have uh, in, in-app upgrades. I think, okay. that, I mean, that, w- that would make us bajillionaires. <laughs> Let's do it. 
we wouldn't have to do any of this ministry stuff anymore. Right. Because, I mean, you know, we kind of plateaued on, on that, you know. We haven't. Yeah. It's kind of over. Yeah. We missed the boat. Well, you know, you got to have a... you got to have the a, parsonage. You got to have a ministry, you know, like you got to have something that you can brand. You got to have a TV studio. I was going to call it the encouraging app or something like that. <sighs> That'd be nice. You can do it. Stick with it. Just get get that kind of uh, oh, or just do the holy hands, you know, the uh, the emoji with the holy. You don't even know what emoji. I know what I I blogged about emoji today. Had, I know you did, but do you know what the holy hands emoji is? Yes, I do. The ones where it's collapsed in prayer, supposedly. No, that's not the holy hands emoji. Is oh. that the one where your hands are up and like up, like palms yes. up? Yes, yes. I thought that was hands up, don't shoot. I don't think you're thinking about the same thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm the one who's socially conscious. You're the one thinking about it from the First Baptist point of view. I'm I th- the one I who th- grew up with emoji. <laughs> we created not grow emoji. Up with emoji. I created emoji. What? What is that? What was your ICQ address? We're, dig- we're digressing here. One six five three six zero two eight. Why would you need to Boom. know that? You I don't, don't know. I don't that. know because that, that was a big part of my young life. Somebody told me to remember it, so I remembered it. Got lots of girlfriends that way. Well, people that I, I kissed. Um, <laughs> in college. That one time. Yes. Um, what else? What else you got? I don't know. I'm distracted by the fact that you remember your IP address from It's college. not IP address. It's ICQ address. <laughs> IP is Internet Protocol. That's... That's still around, and it's very much a big part of what we do on the web. ICQ was acquired by AOL, and not really much of... It's still around. I mean, people still use it in Russia. For... That's about the same amount of numbers, I'm just saying. No. Um, yeah, I think we covered everything. So, what... I mean, what do you think? About what? About the future of the church. Are we going to Pokemon Go, where we just... Go and train our uh, righteousness and our endurance in a Christianity gym. I'll I'll quote Gamaliel. If it's of God, it will succeed. uh, succeed." Well, Pokemon seems to be from God then because it's succeeding. (laughs) I mean, look at, look at, uh, you know, what's his name? The Judean. No, the Egyptian. Uh, Jesus, the Egyptian. Jude, the Egyptian. What was his name in Acts? That, That Gamaliel. Ugh, I'm going to get so much I have no email. idea. Email Mariana at Mariana.net. No. <laughs> email Thomas Whitley. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hell no. Jude, Jude the Egyptian? Well, oh, God. So so when I'm I'm doing this the show with Thomas, I, I keep these things up and, and, and read. And you have to study. You weren't expecting it enough. <laughs> no, but but no, I, I think I think we're in a we're in a weird phase where it's the beginning of something different for our culture white christianity white protestant christianity as we know as we've known it is failing yes and the atlantic has a a great piece about that um and that's causing lots of people a lot of trepidation yeah panic yeah and and those people are you know voting for trump and doing this those types of things and and going off on people like jeff hood you know and and i think that reaction is not a healthy reaction. No, or the, those people, a, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's the same thing as the new spring. It's well, losing your sense of belonging. I get it. I get it. But don't just up and leave. Right. And I was going to say, I, I think. Because there's some people who have never had a sense of belonging. Welcome them in. And it's terrible as something like alcoholism is. Doesn't mean is. that you won't belong too. Right. And it's terrible as something like alcoholism is. And, you know, whatever, you know, Perry had to go through with his wife and his, his kids, whatever. Or kid uh, or is going through, yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that that's being played out in public to some extent is, in some ways, healthy. You know, yeah. like, I think I think that's a ministry to some people that says, "Hey, you know, even even Pastor Perry has these struggles. You know, as successful as he is, he's going through this, and he has these, you know, this period of time in his life where he's trying to figure out." how to be himself and and not fall susceptible to that 
and and people I, I mean people I know look at would look at him and say no he's you know he's got everything in the world of course you know he's going to be fine um and we don't we don't know each other's internal struggles you never know what someone's going through and, and I think that's a good reminder for people at Newspring and for people you know all over to to say well you don't really know the shit that, that people are going through in their lives and and it's okay for people to stumble and struggle because oh, it, so it gives us that example ex- yeah and here's a great example so today I was at um, ministries lab after the service and I don't I don't think you saw it but the woman that we've been working with who organizes all the events at the homeless shelter in Columbia who has invited us and welcomed us in to do a worship service that's now being called chapel. I I was explaining to her, she said, so how did it go today? I said, it went well. Somebody asked me about my own experience about being a woman in ministry. And I explained that I had some difficulty that my home church that I grew up in didn't believe that women could be ministers. And I, I I mean, between the two of us, we were the only white people in that congregation today. (laughs) And it was, all inspiring for them for just a moment to realize, okay, here's this person that has a car, has a home, has a job, has a husband, you know, has a family, has so much that they are desiring or they are missing. But wow, this person has gone through some struggles, just like you were saying. Now, I'm not one to compare struggles back and forth. I'm not you know, I don't even want to get into that theologically or what, but it, it was almost like a sigh of relief. Like, oh, you don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. Maybe that's where church happens is when we realize we don't have it all together and we gather together and we sing Amazing Grace. And at the end of the service, after we experience God, after we've eaten the bread and dipped it in the juice or wine or whatever it is, we sing amen. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's what is going to save us all. It's just coming, coming together and trying to make sense of this crazy world, but realizing none of us is going to get out of this alive. 